If you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you. If you've got a Bible, could you please go to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, sort of in the latter part of our New Testament. What we're going to look at today, church, is um, three times a year, I speak to the church at the beginning of each kind of term, January, April, September, to remind us kind of where we're going, what God's saying to us uh, as a people. And as we begin this kind of final stretch of 2023, according to the internet, 98 days until Christmas, you're welcome. It's coming, nothing you can do about it. It's coming, and for, so for some of us, it's the end of the year, we're rolling down. I know also some of us, for September, actually almost feels like a beginning of a year. If you're on the kind of the academic calendar, September can be like a start of a new year. So we've got an opportunity now to look, to remind ourselves what's God saying to us and how we're going to respond as a family. And as a church family, if you've been with us, you've been around us, we're growing up as a church. We've been going... Uh, I think it's 12 years now. So we've done our first 10 years of a, as a church. It kind of happened in lockdown during that pandemic season, which was a little bit funny, a bit weird. But if you imagine a church that's like a child, their first 10 years, they grow up. There's a lot of activity helping um, them develop. It can be exhausting if you ever had to live with small children and their demands and getting it right. But then the next 10 years of a child's growth and development, it's all about them taking responsibility and growing up, my youngest son has just started secondary school, and suddenly you see what this looks like, where the weight from primary school to secondary school, that big jump has been landed on them. You've now got to do this. You've got different teachers for different lessons in different classrooms, in different places in the school. You've got to bring your textbooks. My son's school has a timetable that flips between week one and week two. So week one and week two are different, so he's not only what are my lessons on Tuesday, it's what are my lessons on Tuesday, is this week one or week two, and it changes. And he's got to learn how to do it. He's got to be on time at his classes. He's got to be polite to his teachers. And he's got all these names to learn, although I've noticed kids do a shortcut. I said, Ash, what's your, what's your math teacher called? Sir. And your English teacher? Miss. Anything else? No, that's it. I've got sir and miss, there's two categories, and that's it. Okay, fine. There's so much you have to learn. We'll, we'll roll with that for the moment. And so it's about us as a church growing up. And it means about us growing up in our relationship with Jesus. That's what, it's, that's what we're focusing on. Not just growing up, because a lot of that can happen as we naturally grow and develop, but actually particularly focused our relationship with Jesus. And as a church, our purpose as a church, we have a purpose statement, and it reads like this. It says, we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and then changing our world with Jesus. And so what we're about as a church family is growing up in our relationship with Jesus. And that stuff about the baptism is just one of those steps we do as we grow up, follow his model, and then change the world around us through that. So we're all about Jesus here. And we're looking at the next kind of 10 years of church life, which we're into. And God has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. What does that mean for us? And what it means for us to grow up in our relationship with Jesus. And this year, we've been looking at a particular Bible verse we find in the book of Colossians, which I thought would be great if we all read together. It's just one verse. Appear on the screen behind. So I count us down. I want us to read this together, and then we'll have a little look at it, and then we'll draw out some application for us. So if I go 
Three, two, one, and then we start. So three, two, one, go. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Great job. It was so short. Let's do it again. Three, two, one, go. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we're looking at. So this is from the letter to the Colossians. The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and in the first chapter he brings out this as his word to the church there. And we just want to go through it. We're going to go through it in three sections. We're going to look at, firstly, Paul's aim. Paul's aim was it was all about Jesus, which is one of the phrases we use here at Real Life Church. It's all about Jesus. If you look at that verse and you look at the bookends of the verse, it starts with him, reference to Jesus, and it starts with Christ, Jesus' title, the Messiah, the anointed one. It's all about him. And Paul's role, Paul's aim is to proclaim Jesus. He says that there, in him we proclaim. His message, the message the apostle Paul brings to the church is one of Jesus. Him crucified, risen, ascended, returning. That's the message. We're all about Jesus and we've just finished the gospel of Mark together as a church family and we've seen the message of Jesus and how important it is. Mark lays it out in his gospel for us to respond to. And not only is it proclamation, it's also relationships because Paul says we are in Christ, which is New Testament shorthand for being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. It it appears more times in our Bible than the word Christian, being in Christ. Because when you are in Christ... You have made a response to his message. You have repented from your sin. You have put your faith and trust in him. You have moved from death to life, darkness to light. You have been made holy and righteous. You've been adopted into his family and you are slowly being conformed to his image by the power of the Spirit. And so we as followers of Jesus are in Christ. And Paul says that he proclaims this message about a relationship with Jesus. And it's not just him. It's not his message. It says we proclaim. So Paul's talking about his team that he's with. We particularly know one of them is a guy called Timothy, who's his younger friend in the faith, who Paul has effectively raised as a son uh, in the faith. And their message as they go about is to proclaim Jesus and all that he's done. That he died in our place for our sin on the cross. He rose from death. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of Father and one day he will return in glory to judge all mankind. So that's the message. How does Paul do it? Paul's method, it says he does it by warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So it comes with a warning. And we found that as we looked at the gospel of Mark that Jesus preaches the message of hope and reconciliation with God. But it comes with a warning that we must repent of our sins. Jesus wasn't afraid to say, actually, if you do not, you face judgment. He pronounced it over the temple and the corrupt system there and even the city of Jerusalem. And we know from history that Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed not long after Jesus' death. So he's not afraid to warn and put it out there. He warned the religious authorities, those who came to him. He warned those, saying, if you do not repent of your sins, there's going to be problems. He offered grace, he offered mercy, he offered compassion, he offered welcome. But for those who rejected him, He said, actually, there's a warning. And Paul says, he proclaims a message that actually, as a follower of Jesus, for those who are in Christ, there are things that we are to do by way of response, not to earn God's favor. We've already received that. 
but actually as a response to God's transforming power in our life, there's things we're to do. And there's things you're not to do. There's things you've got to sort out in your life. There's things that actually attitudes, actions. There's things that you're not doing you need to start doing. And it comes with warnings. A firm instruction is the essence behind the word. The word is to admonish, correct. Say, don't do that. Don't live like that. Don't be that. Paul says, I'm also going to teach you, which means I'm going to impart knowledge. The knowledge of what? Well, the knowledge of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what effect that has on his life. And it will come with all wisdom, which implies in wisdom, ultimately we know from the scriptures comes from God, because fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And with wisdom, Paul will talk about the wisdom of God, which is that the manifest power of God has been made known through Christ and then his people, the church, to reconcile all mankind Regardless of background, together as one people to worship the Lord and be with him forever. And this message is for everybody. How many times in that verse does it say everyone? Quickly. Three. It's a message for everybody. This isn't a special message for the spiritual elite or the smart or the learned or the white. It's for everybody needs to hear this message. In this church, we've got the beauty of having every decade represented up to our 80s, 90s. Oh, wow. We are growing up, aren't we? So it's for everyone, which means you cannot exclude yourself based on age, based on background, based on gender, based on educational standard or wherever you are now. You can't exclude yourself based on I don't know how to do that or anything like that. It's for everyone in this church. All may come all may learn. And then finally, Paul's goal, it says, is the maturity of Christ. I want to present everyone, there's that everyone again, mature in Christ. Present means to show, to display, to be fully formed in your knowledge of Christ for all believers. Paul wants the church to grow up, to be mature, be complete in character and knowledge. And this would cover all aspects of life, from your words, your actions, your deeds, things you do publicly, the things you do privately. The Bible calls this process sanctification as we are slowly transformed day by day into the image of Jesus. Now we recognize it's not something that will ever be fully completed in this life, but that doesn't mean we keep moving forward in it. We keep working, walking with the Holy Spirit in step with the Spirit, following the model of Jesus to grow and become more and more like Jesus. And this is even his model Even Jesus went through this. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus himself increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I pray that for my family, for my boys, every single day that they would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man and become more and more like Jesus. And we are to do that as followers of God, to grow up in him more and more. And now this isn't something that we approach with the attitude, very kind of Western Kind of, well, let's just work harder. If we work harder, we achieve this. Actually, it's actually God is the one who works through us. We need to submit ourselves to him. We need to walk in step with him. But ultimately, God is the one who's going to grow and mature us in him. It is a divine action in us. And as we submit, as we learn, as we walk alongside each one another, as we become part of his people and work out, we grow in maturity. It's born out of a daily commitment to him. There's nothing sexy about that. That cannot be Instagrammed. 
and put in a, nat- a natty caption. It's a daily, daily decision to submit to Jesus and walk with him in humble obedience. And we do it every single day. We are to abide in his presence. We are to come before him individually, corporately as a gathered church when we have our meetings, but also individually, daily, to spend time with him, to be with him. We are to take up our cross, Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, and to daily die to ourself and follow him. It is a hidden work, maturity. Growing in maturity is something you do in the private. It's a hidden work of grace where God is active in your life and we are submitting to it. It is a slow process. What? I can't click on my Amazon account and get it delivered tomorrow? No. You submit and slowly, slowly you grow. Just like when you observe a child and they slowly grow up around you. And you're like, when did that happen? Oh my goodness, they're huge. It's a slow day by day process. Yet for a believer, there is tangible growth. My my prayer, my hope was if you reflect back on your life over the last pick a time, six months, 12 months, longer, you will have seen growth in your life in Christ if you've been walking with him daily. Your love for Jesus would have grown. Your love for his word would have grown. Your love for his people would have grown. Your hatred for sin and injustice and things that grieve the heart of God would have grown as you have come drawn closer and closer to him in his heart. And so as we grow in maturity, there is a tangible change in our character, in our heart, in our actions as the Holy Spirit works within us and we become more and more like Jesus. So in 2023, as it kind of rolls out this year, how are we, how are you going to grow up in your relationship with Jesus? How are you going to take responsibility for what God has called you to as a follower of Jesus? How are you going to present yourself mature in Christ? Well, there's a few things we've been looking at as a church family. I'll go through them, remind you of them. And as we do this, when I get to the end, what I'm going to ask you to do is write some stuff down. For you old school people, you'll have a pen and paper. For you cool, trendy people, you'll have a tablet or a phone or something. But get ready to jot something down that the Spirit has put in you. The thing, I'm going to respond with this to help me, put me in a position for God's Spirit to work through me and me to grow more and more like Christ. So the first area we looked at was our Bible and prayer. We are to be men and women shaped by his word and prayer. We are to be men and women who read our Bibles and pray as followers of Jesus. This is a non-negotiable practice that has been born out of when the church began. They would study the scriptures. They would see what it taught them. They would then live that out. And then for 2,000 years, the church has been doing that. And we are to engage With the Holy Spirit in this, we are to read God's word. We are to find out what it teaches us about God, what it teaches us about ourselves, what it teaches us about the world we live in and how we live accordingly. We are to honor God's word as our ultimate authority in life and godliness. The God's word is above us. 
Hold your Bible above your head and say, I don't judge it, it judges me. It is the authority I look to. It is the revelation that God has given to us so we can learn about him. And we are to engage it. We are to look at it and we learn that we have a father in heaven who loves us, who adores us, who wants relationship with us. There is God the Son who's been revealed in Christ, who's come to earth, died in our place for our sin, rose from death, ascended to heaven, who sent God the Holy Spirit on the church when it was birthed, who now dwells in us and with us and shapes us and brings us back to the Father and conforms us to the image of the Son and being part of God's family. And as we study the scripture, we learn more and more about that. And we are being men and women and do that. And we've got many resources available. If you're ever stuck, come to Real Life School, come to uh, Melanie and Charlotte and Jeremy who run that and say, I need help reading my Bible. And they will give you resources to do that. Um, we um, uh, study the word together as a church family. We have just finished Mark's gospel and in a couple of weeks we'll be going into uh, the prophet Micah in our Old Testament. We're going to be looking at that. We've got a series, we're going to call it It's Time. And we're going to spend some time in a prophetic book in our Old Testament where the prophet Micah is speaking to um, the nation of Israel, to God's people, who are in a time of great prosperity. Things are going well in the nation, but they have forsaken their covenant with God and their spiritual heritage. Does that sound familiar to anyone? But we're going to look at that and we're going to look at what the prophet says to them where he calls them back to a relationship with God. He calls them back to repentance, to restore what had been there in the first place. And so we're going to be looking at that as a church together. If you want to get a head start, take this seriously, grab one of the Bible journals, start reading the prophet Micah. We'll be in here a couple of weeks' time. We will be starting that. We also have to be men and women of prayer. We don't just read our words. We respond to God in prayer and we cry out to him. We pray, we've got the Lord's Prayer, we did a series on that. If you want to review that, it's a great structure for your prayers. Do that. Be men and women who pray and cry out to God, recognizing him as Father, that his kingdom is to come on earth and his will's to done. We, we are to bring our basic requests to him, bread, the most basic things in life. We are to cry out to God for that. We're to seek him for forgiveness for our sins, which are many, but also then in turn to forgive others for how they've um, sinned against us and we are to pray for protection from the evil one who would harm us along the way we also gather together as a church family church at prayer come along join us pray together with us we've been praying for salvation we're going to be praying for us to be men and women of the holy spirit for god to have his will in this place don't miss out on those times to come. We had um, a, a meeting last Sunday evening where we gathered all the leaders of the church in the broadest way. We had a fantastic time together sharing some stuff about what's coming up. And then at the end, we had a time of praying for men and women to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was incredible. We had, I got messages afterwards. I had one guy message me and say someone prayed for him and they prayed the exact prayer he's been praying about his workplace and his colleagues that he works with. And what the person prays is, that's exact words I use. He had an encounter with Jesus at that moment. Another person messaged me and said, I had an experience like Isaiah 6, where it says, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he was magnificent and glorious. And I realized that I wanted to go and proclaim his message. 
And it's like, fantastic. We're going to be doing that in our prayer meetings. We're going to be praying for people to be spirit. Get along to that. If you're not sure about prayer, the best place to learn about prayer is with others who pray. I can testify that. I remember when I got saved, I don't know how to pray, so I went to prayer meetings and sat and listened. Oh, right, okay. I'll do it like that. What about your church family? We are God's children. We've been brought into his family. Jesus saved you so that you could be a part of something bigger. You could be part of his church family, both global and local. Jesus designed the church as a place where you are cared for and looked after and to grow into maturity. There's no other place it works. It works in the church. And so we are a community of people. And if you are a member of this church, get stuck in. If you're a member of another church and you're visiting, get stuck in wherever you find yourself. We've seen from the study of um, the Gospels that Jesus was a churchgoer. We're to follow his model. He, go, he went to church. And we need to be men and women who love the church and the people in it. And I know it's hard. You're in it. You know? But that is what God's called us to. The church of God is described as the bride of Christ. And the image is that any bridegroom on his wedding day, when he looks at his bride, should be overwhelmed with a sense of love and passion for his bride. And it's the same way Jesus looks at his church. And so we too are reflecting Christ, are to love the church in the same way. Uh, Tim Keller, a Christian writer, preacher, pastor, died recently, but he wrote this. He said, the glory of God is available to you in the church in a way it's not available to you anywhere else. There is no more important means of discipleship than deep involvement in the life of the church. Let me read that again. And when he means discipleship, he means following Jesus. He means growing up in Jesus. It's similar, different language, but it's the same idea. The glory of God is available to you in the church in a way it's not available to you anywhere else. There is no more important means of discipleship than deep involvement in the life of the church. And so one of the ways that we're going to grow up this year is we're going to be committed to our local church family. What's God saying to you about this and about your commitment to what we do here in life groups and prayer and Sunday and those kind of things? Because when, you, when something's important, you prioritize it. It comes to the top of the list. And if church is important, if you value it, then it comes to the top of the list. And the reality is, here's just a bit of insight which I've learned recently. We went through a global pandemic, which means everybody suffered a level of trauma. We're all victims of trauma because of, from a global catastrophe. So no one is exempt for that. But what happens when you, you, um, you go through trauma? There is a trauma response when things happen. And what happens is the things that you missed out on, people then try and grab hold of so they don't ever miss out on it again. And what we lost through the pandemic was a lot of the things and the fun activities we get to do in life because everything got shut down and we got stuck in our homes. And so what happens out of the pandemic is a trauma response is people hold on to them so tightly. And so the things that we do, those activities, those hobbies, those sports things suddenly become you become like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. They're precious. And you can't let go of it. And it consumes you. And it's a trauma response. But actually, the reality is, 
we should be our pressures shouldn't necessarily be them as much as they can be. It is the people of God and the kingdom of God which was also taken from us because we couldn't meet together. We couldn't be together. And so I want to challenge you. What's your precious? What are the th- what's the thing you're actually holding on to as the most important thing? Because sports and activities, they can be fine. They're good and they can have well-being and all those sort of things. But actually, God has called you to be a part of a people to serve and to love and to grab hold of. And that's what we're to be a part of. So, as a church, what we're looking forward for this term, we want to start some new life groups. We want to grow, make room for people. Some of our life groups are a bit big. We want to make some more ones. We want to raise up some leaders to do that. God spoke to us before we even plant the church over a decade ago about being like a strawberry plant, about planting into other areas, planting other plants, sending out runners. We've talked about this recently. So we want to do that. We want to start planting life groups into other areas of the city and grow out. We're looking at Castle Vale as our first one. Actually, we've got some people there. We want to start a life group down there and send out a runner and see what will happen, what God will do with that. We want to grow up. We want to take the prophetic. We feel now is the time to look into that. We want to grow up as a church in terms of our employment and staffing. We want to look at employing an admin support, finance support, and kids' work support to help us just do some of the work to make this happen, to release leaders to lead and take us forward in uh, this church life. We are going to be investigating the possibility of getting some midweek premises. Whether I don't know what that looks like. We're going to start the investigation, whether that's leasing or buying, long-term lease buying, we don't know, but we're starting the process now because we feel that's what God's saying. That's next. That's part of you growing up. That's what's next for us as a standard. This place serves us well for Sunday. We're not looking to replace it, but we're thinking, actually, there's something we can do midweek to help us grow, help us reach out, help us serve this community. We're going to put information out on the church email and the WhatsApp and the socials about this. When more comes to light, we'll let you know, so please be plugged into those things quick word to the guys don't rely on your wife to read the message and tell you grow up read the email read the message check the stuff okay wives don't enable your husbands read it yourself you might want to say it nice than that read it yourself you know grow up all right what about your junk Your sin and your shame, my sin, my shame can be dealt with in Christ. The reality is if you're going to grow up in Christ, if we're going to grow up, we've got to deal with the stuff, the junk of life, the things that happen. We've got to deal with the junk in the sins that we commit. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there. We need to be moving forward how do we deal with that thing we need to deal with our sin the things in our life the things that we dabble in the things that we are doing that we know aren't right the things in our life that are hidden from everyone save the eyes of Christ the things and the thoughts the attitudes the actions we need to deal with those we need to confess our sins we need to repent, turn around. We need to come to God for forgiveness. We put out some resources again out through the life groups to help with this. But actually, we need to be men and women who hold our hands up and say, we've messed up. This is sin. I'm not, I'm not getting caught. I'm confessing it. I'm being proactive with it. We confess our sins to one another and we repent. We also need to deal with the sins that happen against us. We do plenty of dumb things, but also some horrible things that happen to us. 
And he doesn't excuse what's happened, doesn't minimize what happens, but actually hurts and pains that we have faced need to be faced, need to be dealt with. And this can be super, super painful. But it's part of our growing up to acknowledge this happened to me, I just need to process it. And what that means, owning it, forgiveness, reconciliation, all those things can come through that. But actually, we are imperfect men and women surrounded by imperfect men and women. And so we bump up together all the time. And so we need to be men and women who deal with the sin we commit, but also deal with the sins committed against us. And this is done in the context of church community where we love and serve one another. The worst thing you could do is isolate yourself at this point, run away, try and deal with it over there, away from people over here. Just what the devil wants. Best thing he wants you is to be completely out of the people of God because then he's got you and he will destroy you mercilessly. But actually being part of the people of God brings strength, brings support, brings care. Come, let's deal with our junk. Last one our everyday life. We need to grow up in that. How are we serving God in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, with our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, online? We are men and women who live for Jesus and it is not isolated to this room for two hours on a Sunday morning. As great as this is. We are to be men and women living out there. We saw it with Jesus through the study of Mark that he was on a mission to tell the good news, to call people to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand. God was moving in the world. He then raised up followers, sent them out in the power of the Spirit for them to do the message. He multiplied and multiplied. And even at the end of his life, when he ascended into heaven, he said to his followers, go everywhere, tell everyone all about me, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are to be men and women full of the Spirit who live our lives out, wherever they may be, whatever our sphere is wherever our world is for him and for his kingdom and so that's what we've been looking at for the last nine months three more months sort of till the end of the year and we've got two responses to this how are you going to respond and I, I laid this out in January again in April and now I'll do it to you again you've got two responses because I am convinced the Holy Spirit has been talking to you now and putting things on your heart and pressing on things. And your first response, you could just run away and hide. Refuse to deal with the pain. Refuse to deal with the trauma. Refuse to deal with what's happened. And this is because it's, it just feels too painful. It can feel like it's too much. You can feel like I'm too busy. Or you can just frankly be far too lazy and selfish. There's a whole myriad of response. And probably most of us are doing all of them all the time. But we can run and hide. And some people do that. Some people like physically do that. Just stop attending because someone has confronted them. I'm not even going to, I'm just going to go over there. Go away. We know people have done that. People run and hide. People do it mostly. I'll turn up, but I am not. I'll be here because I still look good. But inside it's like, don't even come. Doors closed. Don't even talk to me about that. And you get away with like nodding and being part of the church. But actually, there's no growth in your heart. The second thing we can do is we can rise to the challenge. We can respond in faith. And this does not mean it will be easy or straightforward. Anything you wanted to achieve in life usually requires a lot of effort to make it happen, but the rewards are incredible. It's a long-term commitment. And I want to thank you guys, because I've been a part, part of this church since the beginning, particularly over the last nine months of 2023. I've seen so many of you choose to rise to the challenge and to respond 
and to do things, to deal with stuff in your life, to step out in faith, to take on responsibilities, to work hard in your workplace and be an example there in terms of what you're doing in your schooling, in in terms of your marriage and raising your kids and reading your Bible and praying, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go again and again and again and I want to thank you as your leader for your commitment to Jesus and his word and what he's saying to you. And I've seen it and I've seen it and I just want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going. Keep going by the grace of God. Don't quit. Don't give in to cynicism and pain and just overwhelming. And I've, I've seen this throughout my time being in senior ministry in churches. Mel and I, we've been in three churches together. We've all been in senior leadership in all of them. And I've seen the men and women of God rise to the challenge of growing up. And I've seen it from teenagers up to the eldest in the church. We've been in churches where you've got the eldest members of the congregation who are sitting there front row writing, taking notes on your sermon. I remember being in my 20s preaching badly and them taking notes because they want to learn and they're the eldest in the room. And I think you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. But their hunger for growth was there. I've seen teenagers, teenagers confront their parents about their commitment to church saying, you say church is important, why aren't you going very often? Why are you prioritizing that on a Sunday over that? Awkward pastoral moment there. When the teenager is showing more spiritual maturity than the middle-aged Your age is not a reflection of your maturity in Christ. Your commitment to him day by day is. And how you make those big decisions. And so what I'm asking you today as we kind of close this out is how are you going to grow up with Jesus? I'll just share a few things about me. Then I'll make the challenge with you because I want to be honest and transparent about how I'm doing in all this. I've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew, which is my daily reading. I'm still going through that. Um, bit by bit it's a long gospel and it's slow and it's taking a lot longer than I thought but that's fine (laughs) I'm still plugging away at that I'm using prayer cards to help me with my prayers I've just read that book praying like monks living like whatever the one I recommended last year had monks and fools in the titles I've taken a bunch of practices from that I'm using those I'm praying regularly I set an alarm midday where I pray for the lost but I particularly want to pray for people who say so I'm going to set an alarm I'm doing that um, I finished the steps course uh, just before the summer. It was a 12-step program I was with with a bunch of church leaders where we were dealing with sin in our life. Mine was, I judge myself without mercy. It turns out I'm a terrible friend to myself. And I'm harsh and critical of myself more than anyone could ever be outside. And I had revelation of my sin and realized how blind I was to it through a series of sessions, which meant I had to apologize, I had to repent, I had to apologize to my wife, my kids, you guys, it was fantastic when I'd finished. The process was horribly humbling, but it's all good things. We've, as a church, um, leaders, Mel and I, we've met with a bunch of churches around just to talk about Real Life Church, where we're going for them. So we're trying to grow us up as a church. So we went and found counsel. We're not the answer. So I've done that as well. I even recently, I've had to repent 
when I was ill, I had a, uh, we went away to the, with the youth group um, over the summer to New Day. 8,000 teenagers, where else would you want to be? In a big top with 8,000 of them jumping and yelling. We had a wonderful time. We came back, knack, and I thought, great, I've got a couple of weeks now before a holiday where I can close up, finish up. I was ill. I had festival fever. That all those kids <coughs> coughing in a big top. I got something horrible. I was out for a week, like proper out, and I realized that through that, through something happening to me, I committed so many sins of anger, pride, self-righteousness. God, how could you let this happen to me after I served all week with teenagers and I'll come back and I'm now sick in bed for a week feeling rough as you like. So I'm just confessing my sins to you there. I had to repent of being ill, not for the illness, but for my attitude through it all and how miserable I was and grumpy, which I know you find hard to believe, but just sharing my sins, confessing to you. But anyway, let's get to the big one. What's the question? If it's time to grow up this term, what are you going to do? Make it nice and practical. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray for you in a minute so you'll be full of the Spirit. What are you going to do? Could you write it down for me? Please, just in your notebook, in your... What is the one thing that you want to do? Are you one of the people who've never set foot in a prayer meeting in 2023? Don't close out the year being, I was told to grow up and I grew up by never going to pray. Is it something to do with your Bible and prayer? Is it someone you need to get right with? Is it something you need to start doing? Is it something you need to stop doing? And then underneath that, I want you to write something else, and this is where the tough bit gets. Who are you going to tell? What you've just written above, who are you going to tell? Because they find there's huge power in telling someone else, I'm going to do this or I'm going to stop doing that. Who are you going to tell? And I'll, I'll make a little extra challenge. If you're married, please don't make it your spouse. Unless it's very specific to do with them, I need to ask for your forgiveness of my spouse, then you have to tell them. But tell someone else. Just bring it outside of that, and it just gets it out into it. Someone in your life group, someone you know. What are you going to do? Who are you going to tell? What are you going to do? Who are you going to tell? Do you want to stand? Can the band come up? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to finish. Okay, Real Life Church, do you just want to close your eyes? Open your hands. Holy Spirit, we thank, that you, thank you that you are with us here now. We want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you that you are conforming us to the image of Jesus. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we have been drawn into your family. Jesus, we want to honor you and praise you as the one who came to die in our place to make this all possible. Holy Spirit, we pray you come now, fill us as men and women of God, from the youngest to the oldest in this room, all the way through the decades. And Lord, we pray, we ask that you would conform us to the image of your Son, that we would grow and mature in you because of your sovereign work in our life. We fully commit and submit to your leading, but recognizing you're the one who does it. We want to play our part in doing what needs to be done. We want to walk in step with you. 
We want to follow you. We want to be led by you. Give us grace to confess our sins. Give us grace to forgive others. Give us grace to reconcile where relationship has broken down. Give us grace to speak out your name when it needs, to serve the poor, to pray for the sick, to be your men and women in this place. Please, God, save us from hitting New Year in a hundred and what, five days' time, whatever it is, and looking back and think, nothing's happened. We haven't done anything. We haven't, we haven't done it. And God, whatever we've written on our bit of paper or on our little screen, Lord God, give us grace to walk in that. Give us courage to speak that out to someone. Lord, we want to be presented mature in you. And God's people said,